0: one to go show listeners don't forget to give us a rating on spotify or apple podcasts racing season is right around the corner so grab your one to go show tea or hoodie today all right race fans ryan eho here and the one and only Bert layman bringing you episode 175 of the one to go show of course, this show, Bert, before we get into anything, brought to you by our friends over at Zuli's Race Engines. With Soda Season is here, that means what? Zuli's Race Engines parking it in, in Victory Lane. Whether you want to win races or championships, they have the speed and the durability to do both. If you can't beat them, join them, Zuli's Race Engines. On today's show, Bert, uh, our top five moments of the week. With Soda Season's underway, I had a, a driver reach out to me is tell me the point system sucks. We'll talk about that. Some fan feedback, little who's hot and who's not. Our picks, bold predictions as always. But uh, let's start with our top five moments of the week. And uh, before we do a little uh, shout out to these guys right here. Daytona One Performance Lubricants gonna bring you this little segment. Um, They actually starting a series. Um, limited late models. They changed their name over in Western Minnesota. Bert. They got them. They're called the Gen X late models. They're actually the Daytona One Performance lubricants. Gen X late models at I ninety four Speedway, um, Madison and Montevideo, and they're working on putting together a three track series and extra point fund going to the drivers over there as well. So they have a lot of great products, a lot of lubricants. You know, I mean, of course, Bucks in the Hall of Fame for. NASA for lubricants, but I mean anything from engine treatment to oils that you name it. But they have a tire treatment out there that can help the racer. It's controversial, I know, right? But the goal is to help the racer get more life out of their tires, get more nights out of their tires. If you want more information on a product that can help you get more life out of your really expensive tires, call Chad 507 828. 3536 get educated there's a lot of rumors a lot of speculation on it get the facts yourself and if it's something that can help your race program it's up to you if you want to try that product or not so number five bird what do you got for number five
1: uh well we have uh, uh ebert's determination propels them to let's, the point let's flip that let's flip that around that's number one that's number one oh i'm looking at it wrong <laughs> i did i
0: that's my fault that's my fault i texted it to him in the opposite order of what i always did so that's a donkey award to this guy right here <laughs> for making bert look bad i apologize bert that's my fault
1: all right we're, well we're staying with the with the modified ranks so uh but the modified ranks converging with late models and um uh, uh, we've talked about this driver before, Ethan Dotson, uh, actually quite a bit on this show about um, how good he is in a mod. Well, uh, he he won his first late model race in the uh, comp cams action. So uh, um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Uh, he was close earlier
0: model. this year. He was close. He almost got one done. But old number one speedway in Harrisburg, Arkansas. Um, never even heard of that racetrack before, but I might have to check it out.
1: Yeah, I, I've never heard of that racetrack either. So, uh, but, uh, it's good to see, uh, um, another modified driver in a late model and, uh, we'll see, see where his career goes from here.
0: There you go. Mod guy, mod guy, getting it done in the late model Puka. It just sucks to be you, man. Mod guy's dominating just the way it is. Let's go with number four, Hashtag Falls. I'm telling you what, that place simply does not disappoint. Mars late model action this past Saturday night. Shep, a little bit of a dry spell with Parkin and Victory Lane. So close, yet so far away. The Moequa Missile, Shannon Babb, um, holding off a late race challenge from Shep And uh, Parkin and Victory Lane, unbelievable finish over there at Falls. Did you get a chance to watch that one, Bert?
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't watch it live, but I did watch uh, the replay. Um, I went back to Flow and watched the. Um, normally, I just watch the highlights on Dirt on Dirt, but I decided I wanted to watch the entire feature for that one, so uh, I I did watch that. And you're right; I mean, Falls never, never disappoints. Uh, it's just amazing how they. Every, 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 almost every race there is just, just good. I mean, top, bottom, middle drivers racing all over the place. And this is a product
0: right here of streaming, right? You have a lot of people out there a little, there's two sides to this. People are like, oh, streaming's killing racing. Well, the Prairie Dirt Classic has been around for a long time. I never even heard of it really until the last couple of years. I, I mean, a lot of other people have, I had not. Until I saw falls on, you know, online with like flow racing and all that. I didn't really even know it existed. And I tell you what, I've seen a lot of good races there. And I'm going there the end of, end of July for the Prairie Dirt Classic. Never would have stepped foot in the place if I wouldn't have seen it on live streaming. So that right, that right there shows that live streaming can bring fans to new places. A um, little shout out to my buddy Dave there too. But they didn't get the features in for the streeters. But a uh, fifth to second in the heat race. He's going to start outside of row number two when they make that feature up. So things are looking up for the 83 ride. Number three bird. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The macho (laughs) man. The macho man. Brady Bacon. Did you ever hear of this cat? I know he's competed at the Chili Bowl. Um, Uh, I've I've seen him in like some USAC type stuff.
1: I have not heard of him before. (laughs) <laughs> so they call him the macho man just a little guy right just a little that's so well, all I, I was gonna mention that because when they interviewed him after the race <laughs> the guy doing the interview had he looked like he was about a foot taller than what what this guy was
0: i think the guy has to stand on a step stool to look kyle larson in the eyes I mean, he's a little guy right but uh, they so kind of like calling the fat guy slim, the macho man probably not real macho, but he was macho. It was a it was a bold move to take the lead. I mean, he was unbelievably fast the last five laps, and and Brady Bacon became the 150th driver to win a World of Outlaw Sprint Car A main. This took place at Tri-State Speedway in Hobstadt Indiana. Actually, I didn't race there, but I went there to a World of Outlaw race. Uh, with a buddy of mine, uh, actually got my last car from a Mark Bush. So uh, I've been to that place, but unbelievable race there.
1: And yeah, I was just going to say that track is, uh, I mean, at least, uh, that race, I mean, it's a very racy track. It looks like they had a two hour rain delay and it was super, super, super heavy. And,
0: uh, some of them cars, they were hopping and bicycling and they, they were not able to turn. But uh, it's it's actually, when I was there, the racing was really good. So I think the racing is good
1: regardless, but there was a lot of moisture in it. So number two, Bert. The streak is over. Uh, the, the Shep Man, Shepard, uh, finally reaches Victory Lane uh, in the Longhorn. And uh, I did notice uh, on the back of a spoiler, it's Blistine in <laughs> uh huge letters on the back of a spoiler now. And uh, um, so we definitely know what shack she's running now.
0: (laughs) We're going to take some credit. So
1: Brandon Shepard actually
0: owes us a percentage. We called him out on the who's not last week. Boom, lo and behold, parks in victory lane. That's just kind of how it works. So if you're a racer and we call you out for being slow and kind of sucking it up, instead of being mad at us, thank us. Because you're probably going to win next week. It's just kind of how it seems to work. Um, so he put that Red Hill Raceway. Bert, up until that point, it was 40 straight races without a win. He was close. The couple before that, he got second. Um, and the year before, they raced, and Turbo won a late model race there the year before. But before that, it was like 2004. So they had a big, long lull in there where they didn't even have races at this place at sumner illinois over there red hill raceway so i found that interesting dan got me a little info on that and then number one and uh we'll let you go back to number one you started that at 5 <laughs> oh we'll bring it to number one
1: uh um dan ebert uh takes over the point lead in usmts probably because i didn't pick him this week so uh and i had picked him the previous weekend in all three races so i think that's why you know i picked him he loses the point lead I don't pick him. Then he moves back into the point lead.
0: So he's a Minnesota guy. We want him to win the point. So work with that shit. You gotta put picking old Ebert. So he he's flexing, right? Flexing on the competition, throwing some kind of haymakers. Him and TBJ Tom Barry Jr. Um, earlier in that race, Tom Barry Jr. hit a rut, KO'd the side of Ebert for the race lead. Last lap, they take the white flag, they come into one and two, and Ebert throws the haymaker, and he's like, "Well, I kind of had to finish that one, something like that." And uh, when t- they talked to Tom Barry Jr. on a podcast, and uh, wasn't real happy. He's like, "You know, uh, I don't really—that was definitely intentional." But we talked about it last week, Bert. Right? We were like, "Who? What drivers are going to do that bold move for a win? Like, we like that." So it's like, do we give Dan Ebert a donkey award for absolutely KOing him in the fence, or do we give him a fricking pat on the back and a high five for having the balls to do it? You're here to win races. Now, Dan don't typically carve people into the wall, but I think he kind of felt that deal earlier in the race was, you know, he felt Tom Barry Jr. maybe could have lifted. Depends how you look
1: at it. So he figured, why well, he didn't
0: lift, I'm not going to lift, and I'm going to win.
1: I mean, you you obviously hear the saying from drivers they always say that you know i'll race people the way they race me and if he felt like that's the way barry was racing him, you know he's he's just making that statement come true <laughs> <laughs> he
0: sure is and you know he's got a couple wins already this year um one of only a couple drivers to have multiple wins of course tom barry jr one night too that's his second of the year as well so uh tom barry jr night one i think he finished back in the 11th because when he they, they stayed green. When he got into the wall, he lost a whole bunch of spots. And uh, otherwise, it would have been one and two both nights and didn't quite end up that way. So let's jump on to uh, some Wasota racing action. The Wasoda season is taking off out west. Multiple races happened out there. Um, they raced at Casper for the second week in a row, Sheridan, Wyoming. They had a doubleheader, Electric City Speedway in Great Falls, Montana. So Wissota racing is happening. Y'all Minnesota, Wisconsin people, don't be jealous. North Dakota, okay, it's coming. It's coming. Not quite (laughs) as soon as out there. But uh, speaking of that area, a little shout out first, Brad Parson Egg Solutions. So if racing's coming, that means planting is coming, right? And for some people, planting might already be here. Well, if you want a great uh, farming season, what do you need to have? The right chemicals in your spray packages. That's what Brad has you know, and if you're unsure, if you're like, man, I don't know, you know, I know if I want to change, well, give him a call three, two, zero two, one, nine, three, five, four, two. And he's got products that you can mix right with the current spray packages. He has all the data, the numbers from testing, get the information. If it can help you be more profitable, more efficient in farming, why not give it a try? And he's a race car driver. So support those who uh, are part of our group. So, little bit of news and we're I'm not going to get into all the results from these races. Cause we're going to, I do that this week on the recap shows. We'll talk about those here in just a little bit, but I did have a driver reach out to me Bert, And, and uh, I was kind of chatting back and forth and I kind of give him a little grief. I said, you know, uh, the old silver bullet here, Dean Larson four for four to start the year. It's a big deal. Right, top. I think it's top 30 shows, maybe 25 in mid on mod fours. I'm not positive. But he made the trip 700 miles one way to Casper. Then he ran three shows out there this weekend. Four wins, four nights. That's a pretty good head start to start the season. Well, he's like, wow, that's a bunch of BS. A couple of them nights, three, four cars. It's stupid. Well, his question was this. Do you think this point system that Wasoda has in place now is flawed? Yes, I do. I think it's absolutely ass okay? Now I had nothing against the driver for going to race, but the point system. So Bert, here's what it was before. So for, for years and years and years, it was 35 points to win the feature. And then it was 33 points for second and one point the rest of the way back. So essentially it was 34, 33, 32 and a bonus point for winning. Pretty simple, right? Now the significance to that is the show points. If you get nine or less cars, you get 10 show show up points, 10 to 15 cars, you get 11, 16 and over, you get 12. The significance with that two point separation was back four or five years ago, or however long it was when they had the last point system. If you want a feature with say four cars, right? You would get 35, uh, 35 points plus 10, so 45. We're gonna not talk about the heat points because that's immaterial at this point. So it'd be 45 points, okay? Now it's a huge disparity. It is literally five points difference now between first and second. So a three car feature win is worth three more points than a second place if you have 80 cars. That's stupid, right? That's absolutely stupid. So they, you know, the, the thing is they got too much of a, a gap there which it might work good for the USMTS series if they have the same car count on a series every night. But when you got tracks that have three, four cars and tracks that have 30 cars, that that don't work, right? You can't give somebody a huge advantage. And this happened a couple of years ago in the late models, right? With Searing and Becker, and neither one of them benefited because they both raced them tracks, right? But the fact is, Searing that year had four car, five car feature wins. And it's like, I guess they count they count towards the points and probably shouldn't but it's it's stupid. Um for the life of me I don't understand why they don't just go back to the old system. This new system it just makes no sense and it it, it literally it's almost embarrassing is what it is. So uh, what what's your thoughts on that Bert? as a you may, may not be a points chaser but if you if you get a feature win with three cars should that really be worth more points? been a 50-car second-place finish?
1: Uh, not necessarily. Uh, it's just, I imagine it's difficult to come up with a with a point system. I think IMCA, I think they, they do only a one-point difference for every position. They don't have the three-point difference between first and second. Um, so, um, I mean, I definitely see your point. You know, if you're only racing against three cars and you get X number of points and there's 50 cars there, yeah, you know, theoretically that should be, you know, a second place should be worth more than that.
0: And for years, a low car count clean sweep used to be the same points, equal points to a high car count second. So that was that made sense. So now you're you know, you go you race 50 cars, you get second. <coughs> that's that should be worth as many points as a first place with three cars so they brought that up at the national meetings and there were, there was a few people that said well we should do a study on this what do what do you mean a study we don't <laughs> need to do a freaking study what the hell are you talking about we know what the old point system was and and we can do math It don't even make sense so with soda, board members right i don't i know promoters probably got a vote on this or whatever this got to change this is embarrassing it's it's just it's wrong it has to change it is just absolutely stupid. So, Bert, we got a few more questions here. Um, got Brent sent in some pretty good questions. And I got a question here from Jared as well. First, a quick shout out, shirts.com Racing season's here. If you need apparel, hats, sh- shirts, hoodies, you name it, shirts.com has all the products you need. They can get it to you in a timely fashion. They have all kinds of price points. Um, get a hold of the crew down there at shirts.com So, Bert, uh, Brent sent some questions there. I'll let you read them off. You printed them off. We'll go one by one here. What do you got?
1: All right. The first one is, in a sport like track, under some circumstances, they charge false starts to the field, and the next person false starting is disqualified. In racing, when things are getting out of hand with caution after caution, should the next charge caution driver be removed? even if they didn't cause a previous caution. Do you have a thought on that? I do. Um, I do not think that the next caution driver should be removed, um, especially if they, well, obviously, if they caused a caution before and they caused another one, at least at Shawano Speedway, they would be done because two cautions. Two yellows. Yep, two yellows. Um, and- but I don't think that just because all the other drivers are causing cautions and then you happen to cause cause one for the first time, I don't think that you should be eliminated from the race.
0: <laughs> I kind of going to go the opposite. I'm okay. Kinda go the opposite. Um, so, and I learned this. So I remember racing over at the Norman County Speedway, Norman County Raceway. I think it was in Ada, Minnesota. And uh, Paul Engelstad was the promoter over there. Did a great job. Super nice guy. Um, And they had a rule. It was called the four caution rule. So after three yellows, from that point forward, whoever caused the fourth one, black flag. Right? And and it is amazing, literally amazing, that when you know that you're going to get black flagged and you get spun out, you're stopped in the middle of the corner. Wow, people get going again. It's kind of weird right because how many times we see in some of these late model races guys got a tire down well i'm just gonna pull off to the side car ain't running right i'm gonna pull off to the side of the track and stop And they just bring out yellow after yellow after yellow after it just pisses people off right i so there's two sides to it right i mean because you there's going to be times where you have that racing deal and three cautions came out and you just kind of had a little bit of an incident and it's like you're done too bad, I guess it kind of sucks. I mean, I so I get that part of it because that that's kind of un you know unfair to some extent, but it it speeds the program up. And my least favorite thing, Bert, one of my least favorite things in racing is a time limit. I remember going to the Viking Speedway back in the day, and I think they're going to actually be a little later um, time limit now for some of them specials. So stay tuned on that. But I remember I'm um, going to a fall classic. In the race before us took forever. We get oh, we get an eight lap feature, right? Eight laps. They cut the laps. I would rather, if I had to choose, I would rather after three cautions start black flagging people to speed the program up. I'd rather do that than cut the laps from like a thirty lap feature to eight. So I can see both sides of it. That Brent, that's a good question, and uh, I think that you know that it could go both ways. And I definitely see your point because sometimes in some of these races, Bert, are marathons, and we got twelve freaking yellows in certain races. It's like just start getting these people off the track. But at the same point, if uh, you know if they're getting kicked off the track and they're new, they're not necessarily getting any
1: better either. So right. you got to have some right? What do you have? All next? right. The second question at the ERX Motor Park which has more classes than the local dirt tracks, they have scheduled time for each class to run. Could local dirt tracks run a schedule like that? I think basically they're saying, okay, at 8.20, this division's gonna be racing, nine o'clock. I don't think that you can do that.
2: In theory, right? In
0: theory, it sounds like a good idea, but there's too many variables in there
2: um i I mean mean,
1: look look at the times when mav tv has tried to do live coverage and it does you know they're trying to match up when the feature is going to start and it just never (laughs) never happens
0: (laughs) it doesn't i i've seen times in uf2 where it's like you're sitting there for 20 minutes while they're trying to put in filler time to get to that eight o'clock right and start the race well and
1: and The Chili Bowl this last year, the actual feature didn't start until after, you know, if you went to your TV guide, if you would have, if you would have recorded the race according to when it was supposed to be on, you wouldn't have got the feature because the feature started after it was over, that time slot was over.
0: Right. I understand the question. Um, I don't think it would be viable. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is don't have programs with six, seven classes. Let's just start there. But, um, I think that keeping this keeping the program just efficient and, and trying to stay on track is a good idea. Making it happen is there's just
1: too many variables usually. Well, right. I mean, you don't know how many cars are gonna show up. You know, if a bunch of cars show up, you know, it's gonna be impossible. And one rep, right? If somebody rolls yeah.
0: over, you could have a twenty minute right. yellow because of I mean, so there's right. there's a lot of variables. I I understand the question and the but uh I think it'd be a little easier said than done.
1: All right. The third question, could there be a performance metric based on the tracks themselves, least cautions, most passes, etc., that would determine who gets to hold special events like the Wasota 100?
0: Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, if you look at all the racetracks, and there's some pretty good ones out there, right? I think it's at the best track right now. I mean, as far as race racetracks go, I mean, I-94's got the facility, the racing well, was
1: good. That that's the big thing you, you need to, you need it to be at a track that has a facility that can house that many race cars. I mean, that was one thing when we would, you know, when MJ would go to the Wasota 100 every year at, when it was at Cedar Lake Speedway. I mean, there were 300 some super stocks and, you know, hundred mods and you need a facility that's going to be able to get all those haulers and trailers parked yeah there's really not many but but as far as
0: you know if a sanctioning body's holding a race you know i think they they definitely want to hold it to a higher standard and i I think that's part of the process when they kind of i don't want to call it go for bids because they really don't but i when when they talk about where they're going to have the 100 they talk about all those things so i think that's kind of already in place um um, so yeah, i would agree that yes i mean to some extent that needs to happen i don't exactly know all the metrics behind everything but i think that a lot of them things you talked about are in you know considered when making that decision right and
1: i mean you definitely want the race to be at a racy racetrack you don't want it to be at a track where there's not going to be any passing and that sort of thing <laughs> for sure you got one all right more there? yeah one more uh, would it make sense for drivers on low budgets to only run a car once every few weeks, where they can go all in with spending for that particular year? Once every few weeks, or once every few years? Oh, a few years. Every- I'm sorry, few years. Yes.
0: Boy, I, I I thought long and hard about that one. So basically, what he's asking is, if you have, it, would would it be better for people to race, like? saying this year 2023 and just go gangbusters race as much as they can and then take a couple years off to replenish and then get after it again i don't know i don't think so because i think you just you get rusty right i mean well i I think that's part of it
1: that and drivers are out there because they have the ambition and the desire to race and you know if you take that away for a couple of years you know it's it, you know i think drivers even if they're not going to be at the top level they still want to race um because that it's in their blood
0: for sure and and you know take it from me right i i thought for sure i was going to take a year or two off well it's been freaking 10 right i ran one year for duval in there but That's it. I mean, once if you get out of it, you start getting other hobbies and doing other things, pretty soon you're going to be like, well, I'm having fun here. See, here's the key. Racing is, it's always been super expensive. Always. Racing costs the same today as it did 25 years ago. It takes every dollar you have, right? So that's, the cost is the same. But here's the key. At a certain point, and Chad and Clint talked about it on our Blast of the Past show, is here's the deal is when the amount of fun you have no longer is high enough to justify the dollar you're spending well then you're not going to do it anymore right so if you take some time off and you're like i'm spending a little less money but i'm having a freaking blast doing this this and this you might not ever come back to racing so i I think that if a person's in a race you just kind of keep on rolling and uh when when you decide the time's done then the time's done and maybe do a brett Favre deal and retire three four times or whatever but um <laughs> that's a tough one i i get his validity because it's like the money and all that but racers are pretty resourceful they always kind of find a way to make it happen to for the most part but taking some time off i think multiple things you get rusty technology changes things change and, and you just if you find other things to do you might not go back so that's a good question that he had
1: there um did he have any what's your thoughts on that Bert um no I mean I I agree um you know like I said racers are racers and you know they're they're not going to want to um take a few years off to replenish because they're not going to replenish I mean they're not going to put money in the bank to save up the race let's just let's just say that right You'll find right. other things to, to spend their money on. Yeah. That's, that's a dangerous
0: game. You don't want to do that. So, and I got one more question here. So Jared sent me a question and was talking about different race tracks and schedules and classes. And we noticed that there's some tracks over the years that have dropped their starter classes. Right. And they're like, well, we just, we don't have enough drivers. It's no sense even having that. And I'm not going to name the track. So I'll, I'll be talking about some of that on, on our recap shows, but, Starter classes is an essential part of a race program. you got to have something for new people to get into. And when these tracks drop the starter class, their reason usually is, well, we just don't have enough drivers even in the class, so why even bother with it? Well, is it the fact that there's not enough people interested in that class, or is it the fact that there's not enough young people even at the racetrack to be interested in that starter class? See, if you're not having young people in the grandstands, young family, kids, who who the heck is going to be in the starter classes? If if it's all 70-year-old people in the grandstands, they ain't going to be like, hey, I'm going to get a hornet, you know? So promoters, and I get it, it's tough, but promoters got to do a better job of getting new people to the racetrack and families and kids. So that way you have some future people to get into those classes. Do they have a starter class over in uh, Shawano?
1: Oh, well, they have a four-cylinder uh division and then uh then it would then it would be the IMCA sport mods, which when they were introduced. Yeah, that, that ain't, that ain't a starter <laughs> well, I was just gonna is. say when they when they were introduced, they were introduced as a starter class, but they're really not a starter class. <laughs> not
0: anymore. How the four cylinders, Bert? What kind of turnout do they get? Do they get pretty good car phones for that? Um,
1: get, old, what I would say probably um, maybe probably about 15 a week. Um, okay,
0: that's not bad.
1: That's two yeah. too solid heats. You know, I've seen some
0: tracks get 25, 30 of them, and I've seen some tracks get five. And it's like, if the ones, if, if you're a track, okay, and I'm gonna leave it, I'm gonna end it with this. If you're a track promoter out there right now, and your starter class only has four or five drivers in it, and that class been there for a couple of years, okay. Don't look at the class. It's not the class. Look at the grandstands. And when you look at the grandstands, look to see how many kids, how many young families, how many new people, right? Look to see what that number looks like. If you want to build the numbers in that starter class, start by building the numbers of those people in the grandstands so they can
1: become interested in it. Well, I I agree, but also if a track is going to add a starter class they need to add a starter class that other area racetracks are racing you can't have a starter class where the only place they can race is at your racetrack Uh, just for an example i mean this was probably 10 years ago um the manitowoc speedway which is no longer in existence they they started a starter class of trucks you know nascar has trucks so let you know let's have a a truck division and uh they actually built a truck and gave it away in a raffle or something well guess how many trucks were there the first week two one the one, one they gave away in the raffle oh my <laughs> So they didn't really, they didn't really
0: promote it very well. Then either. So that, <laughs> yeah. and, and that depends on location, Bert, too. I mean, if you're in an area of a big population, like let's use Proctor and Superior Duluth area, 250,000 people. Well, there's two tracks there. Obviously those two tracks want to have the same starter class. They're right next to each other. Why right. wouldn't you? It's, you've just got to cross the bridge to go to the other one. But if only one of those tracks existed, let's say that it was only Proctor and Superior wasn't even a track, well, they, you don't need to have the track an hour away have the same one, because a lot of times them starter classes, they only race their home track anyway. Build within the community. Don't rely on people from all these out-of-town out places to fill in your grandstands and your pits. You need to build the culture within your own community. And I think shano has got a pretty good culture over there. A lot of races right from the Shawnee area. Isn't that- oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, shano has got a tradition. I mean, they've been racing for more than 50 years at the racetrack. So, yeah, there, there's a good racing culture in, in the community.
0: Perfect. Well, let's jump on to the next one here. Who's hot? Who's not? brought to you by well i can tell you who's hot bird who's hot impacts health sharing that's who's hot if you got to pay for your own health care if you have employees you got to cover theirs if you don't have health care because it costs too much i might be able to save you some money 218-969-1380 message me on facebook whatever you want to do but impact health sharing offers a product that typically is going to way way reduce the cost of what you're paying for health care and uh that, that's a good thing you can use that money for other things like I do racing for example instead of spending it on health care so impact health sharing get a hold of me see if I can maybe help you out um Bert what do you got
1: who's hot well I'll steal yours I mean obviously you know we we've talked enough about him as being in the not hot list so we'll add him to the hot list this week uh Brandon Shepard um you know, he got, finally got a victory, but he was also in contention, uh challenging for more victories other than the one that he, he did get.
0: He legitimately could have went three for three on the weekend. And then MLRA action here a couple weeks ago, he, he probably would have won there. I think he got a flat tire leading or something like that. So a second, second and a first for b Shep. I tell you what, man, I mean, he's a class act. It is so good seeing him back in victory lane. He's just. He's one of those people easy to cheer for. He races hard, he's clean, but he's he's super just down to earth guy. So tip of the cap right there Brandon Shepard, congratulations. Um any more on the hot list for you?
1: Um well uh I'll put uh Chad Simpson on the hot list. He had a good weekend racing MLRA. Uh he got a victory and I think a second.
0: One night, it was Chad first, Chris second. The the other night, it was Chris first, Chad second. So, yeah, the yes. Simpsons had a pretty good weekend. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to Silver Bullet, Dean Larson, uh, Mod 4 action in Wasota Racing. Four for four, not a bad way to start the season. Tell you what, off to a pretty good start. He's retired, so he's traveling a bit. And uh, Dan Ebert, first and a second this weekend. You know, I said uh, I said over on the five wins or more this year, um, in USMTS action, he's partway there already, leading the points. So Dan Ebert took him a couple years to kind of find something, but uh, I tell you what, he's he's going to be strong all year long.
1: Who's not? Well, I only have one one on my not list, and that's Mother Nature. She's not hot. Yeah, <laughs> and, Lucas
0: Oil Dirt Late Model Series would agree with you.
1: And uh, I mean, the weather is cold and. I mean, we had snow flurries this morning on May 1st. It Perth. snowed
0: today, Bert. I'm in Pennsylvania right now, parked in the truck. It snowed today. I'm like, this is awful. Awful.
1: I mean, parts so, of northern parts of northern Wisconsin were supposed to get a foot of snow last night. I don't know if they actually did or not, but.
0: That sounds hideous. That's what that sounds <laughs> like. So I got a couple here, Bert. I got uh, Donnie Shots. He has been. He ended the year last year. Bert, we're like, boy, I tell you what, he's going to, if he can start out like he ended, he's going to be golden. Bert, in his last eight events, he only has one top 10. One top 10, it was an eighth. In 18 shows this year, he's ran 18 shows in the sprint car, right? One podium. One. It was a second with the all star sprints at the beginning of the year in Volusia. He hasn't even sniffed the podium yet. No, in I world
1: mean, of life. you watch those features, and I mean, he's nowhere to be seen. Um, you know,
0: one of the best to ever strapping, or it's painful. It's, it's it's painful. Um, he he didn't forget how to drive. The, the guy's ten-time world of all lots champion. You don't forget how to race. You do forget how to be hungry, right? He ain't hungry anymore. Not that he don't want to win, but there's a whole different level to like. I want to win to like. I'm going to freaking win. He had that hunger. He's got he's he he's gotta watch Rocky, he's gotta get the eye of the tiger. So <laughs> he's gotta do, you know. I want to see shots competing for wins here, you know, and maybe he'll come out. Didn't he win the Knoxville Nationals last year? Yeah. So so he's gonna kind of suck it up all year long, win the million. Is that kind of how that's gonna work? Or I mean, wouldn't shot maybe. <laughs> right. So Donnie Shots. Uh the other one I have is uh the Rocket Man Rodney Sanders. He's been kind of sniffing around the, the lead there for a little bit, but he's winless in US MTS action since August 13th of last year. He won at the I-70 Speedway in Odessa, Missouri. So Rodney Sanders literally struggling to find pay dirt. So I'm going to put him on the not hot list as well. So last week, our Pittsburgh, so uh, we, we picked a Mars late model race, the races. At Brownstown, Turbo, Tyler Herb. He kind of B chef threw a haymaker slider at him with about two to go and he overshot it, jumped the cushion. Turbo went on to win. None of us had turbo. Jeff, um, Jeff had B Shep. He got second. Um, at Falls, hashtag Falls Fairbury, the Moeekoa missile, Shannon Bab holding off a late charge from B Chef again. Um, Mike and Brad both had Shannon Bab, so two points for them. And at Red Hill Raceway Sunday night, Bishop finally hit pay dirt after 40 nights of not winning. He finally got it done. Kurt and Dan had Unziker, Ryan Unziker, who got fourth. They they's got a point there. USMTS Modifieds, they were at the Hamilton County Speedway, Webster City, Iowa, night three, the 10th hour. Of course, the night that paid the most, that one rained out. Mother Nature not cooperating. But uh, Dan Ebert on night one and... Uh, he, nobody had Ebert, but Mike and uh, Carl had Rodney Sanders. Who we just talked about he did get second point for them. Tom Barry Jr. I had him both nights. Bert should have won the first night, but if the queen had balls, should be the king, right? So I did not almost <laughs> almost, but not quite almost enough. So I had TBJ on night two, as did Brad. So we each got the win there. World of all Sprint car action, Bert. Tri-City Speedway over in Granite City, Illinois, David Gravel parking it in Victory Lane. Kurt, Kent, Bam, Jeff, Burt, you all had Macedo. Um, Nobody had Gravel, which is weird, right? Nobody had Gravel. You all had Macedo. He got fourth. You each got a point. And at Tri-State, Brady Bacon, the macho man, parking it in Victory Lane. None of us had Brady Bacon. Oh, he's a good racer. We just didn't pick him. Mike, myself, and Carl all had the big cat Brad Sweet, who got third. And then the high-limit sprint car, it feels like it's forever ago, Bert. The high-limit sprint car series last Tuesday at 34 Raceway, the 39 of Anthony Macri. Mike, Kent, Brad, Carl, and Bert, all you had Kyle Larson, who got third, tried to throw a haymaker at the end and actually lost the spot. But uh, you each got a point, nonetheless. So that's last week's picks, and and uh, right now our our pickems, are standings. Jeff is leading. I mean, if they're going to get all that snow up there in Michigan, we might as well let them have the lead in the points. Got to got to do something to make them feel good. Kurt is at forty-four. Mike jumped past me here. Mike's skipped ahead of me. He's at forty-three. I'm at forty-two. Big Bad Brad at thirty-eight. Bert. You're at 36 striking distance there. I think Kent is at 36 also. Dan's at 34 and Carl's over 20 at 21. Bert, this week we are going to pick uh the races for the high limits sprint car series. They were gonna run Tuesday. Now they're running Wednesday. That's at Kokomo. World of Outlaw Sprint Car Action Friday and Saturday at Eldora. World of Outlaw late model action. We're only gonna pick. The Saturday portion of the Dairyland Showdown at the Mississippi Thunder Speedway. Lucas Oil Dirt Lake Model Series. Do we even bother? Is it going to rain? Or, I
2: mean,
0: <laughs> we, they don't even race that series anymore. We'll pick them, I guess. But Atomic, Ponderosa, and Florence. Bert, who did you pick for Florence?
1: Well, you know who I picked. <laughs>
0: who, did you pick uh, old Mr. Florence Human Highlight Reel himself?
1: Yeah. yeah. All
0: right.
1: All right. I'll be talking I'll be talking about that in our uh, right. bold predictions. Right.
0: Me too. Me too.
1: <laughs> All right. And USMPS
0: mods, Lakeside, oh, go Thursday, ahead. Friday, Saturday, but go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I have to give out a donkey award uh, for last week. Um, I don't know if I should give it to Bobby Pierce or give it to myself. Um, well, Bobby Pierce and Shannon Bab because I picked Bobby Pierce for the first two Mars races and he didn't show up. And then I picked Shannon Babb for the third race, and he didn't show up for the third race after winning the second race. So um, I texted, I texted both of them.
0: I said, "Where were you?" And they said, "Bert, literally, Bert picked us. <laughs> screw Bert. We we Bert won two times in a row in these pick them deal. We ain't gonna win a third one. We're not even coming.
1: We're not taking a chance that everybody else but is gonna be an F. Screw Bert." I mean, Pierce <laughs> did have it on his schedule where it was tentative, uh, but I guess by him not showing up for these races see i always thought he would drop off the world of outlaw tour at some point during the season and race closer to home in these types of races but uh i'm starting to think that he may stay on the tour the entire season
0: <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you know what it, it looked like rain too i mean fairberry ended up pushing it up an hour you know and they rained out half the show they got the mods and the lates and everything else rained out so I wonder if you kind of looked at that and said, you know what, we're not even going to bother getting up there, getting rained out, you know, 5,000 away he's racing for 50 this weekend. So it's kind of disappointing because I mean, Bobby Pierce sells tickets, but it's good to see Brandon Shepard have a, have a good week. So I guess there's a little silver lining and everything. <laughs> so Bert, let's jump into the last lap. And this week brought to you by our friend uh, Mason Aaron Mason Aaron's videos, check out his stuff on YouTube, Facebook. I um, mean, huge thanks to him he does the editing for all of our content all of our shows you know I I know that takes a lot of time because I used to do it and I quite honestly probably I don't know if we'd be even doing the show if we didn't have him here helping us so a big shout out to him and Bert he has some really really cool stuff I mean he he creates a lot of like b-roll type content behind the scenes I mean you should, if you haven't seen his stuff online it's worth worth a look um he does a lot for the sport really good guy so thanks a lot to Mason Aaron there um so Bert, late model guy from Wisconsin, making the trip down to Illinois here.
1: Oh yeah, Taylor Scheffler. Um, uh, he won down at Farmer City. What was that on Friday, Friday night? Yep, yeah. yep. I mean, Cause Saturday he went
0: to Fairbury. I don't know how yeah. he did
1: there. Uh, he made the feature at Fairbury, and uh, I he was running in the top ten. Uh, uh, later in the race, so I I think he did fairly well. Um, but he likes to go down and race in Northern at those tracks in Northern Illinois. And, uh, you know, I interviewed him a couple of years ago for a story. And with that story, I interviewed his dad too. And, you know, his dad said that, um, he wants, uh, Taylor to go race in Northern Illinois and race against those drivers, because those are some of the best drivers, uh, in the Midwest.
0: He's sporty, man. I tell you what, I remember a race a couple years ago at Plymouth.
1: I think him and Nick were side-by-side
0: side in that deal. He was hustling on the high side. Taylor Scheffler's a wheel. He's oh, a yeah. really good racer. I'd, lo- I'd love to see him follow the whole Wabam Dirt Kings series and see if he could have a little something-something there for the 15. Um, That would be really, really good, but I I don't know if he'll commit to that or not. So uh, another thing in news was Soda Racing news, Granite City Motor Park in Sock Rapids, Minnesota, Burt, they, they announced some really, really cool shit here this weekend. Um, they posted, you know, we've, we've talked about this on the show, right? What can we do to get drivers to buy in to track championships? What can we do to get more of that, like, local racing back? Well, they they did it. They, they actually announced that they're going to have a significant point fund, and you can jump on their Facebook to get the numbers, but they're throwing out some big money here um, for point funds for all of their classes, Bert. Um, I'm talking, I think, $2,500 to win for one of the classes. You'd have to look there. I did not write down exactly the numbers. You can just go to Granite City Motor Park on Facebook. But they, um, James Trantina and the gang, literally taking money and putting it towards the track points, trying to get drivers from the area to buy more into racing weekly races. On top of that, they posted their pay. Very, very good payout, just the regular pay. They're paying heat races, Alexandria and Ashland both pay heat races as well but the heat race winners like in the modifieds and supers for example hundred dollar bill for winning the heat hard charger bonus money every single night so for example in the super stocks it's 400 to win every night a hundred dollars to win the heat and a hundred dollars for the hard charger you can walk out of there six hundred dollars to win every single night in the super stock division and most places pay like 350 400 so throwing some extra money around back to the drivers so tip of the cap there to brian and james and the folks over at the granite city motor park so did you see the news today bert uh, speaking of throwing more money around did you see what the
1: uh old uh, xr super series announced here i did not see what what they announced
0: kokomo was supposed to be i believe 50 grand to win i think is what it was going to be they bumped it this next race at kokomo for the xr super series a hundred grand to the winner, throwing more money at it, and uh, now I think that jumps it from five to six hundred grand to win or more late model shows. Four of them, Bert XR Super Series events. So, four pretty big paydays there for the late model guys, and uh, just more money. And really, don't need to. I mean, if you're paying fifty grand, you're gonna probably get the same cars, but that's more money in the pockets of the racers. That can't be a bad thing. You talked about it already. You said the Simpsons uh, kind of dominated an MLRA action. Jake Tim had a legit shot to win, and I think he melted a tire, crossed it up. I think he ended up fifth or whatever. He was looking really good. One of them nights kind of really led a, a big chunk of that race and faded at the end. So, um, kind of a tough break for him. Um, another thing here, Bert. Uh, blast of the past. We just got done before this show. You know, we jumped on, friends of mine, Chad and Clint Larson have been friends with them for, oh man, for a long time, since the early 90s. So like 30 years and uh, very, very good friends. And uh, it was episode 75. So if you haven't had a chance, check out the blast of the past episode. Um, It was super fun. And let's get into the bold predictions for the week. So first of all, Bert, off the board, Um, you had one come off the board this week. You said Jake O'Neill was going to win a pair of USMTS races this weekend. <laughs> he came from like 24th up into the top five on night two. He was, I mean, it's Jake O'Neill, right? So he was fast, but you got that one wrong. Bert, I had four come off the board this week. Four, four.
1: Well, before you go on, I, sh- I should have brought this up during the who's hot. That Jake O'Neill was hot the first night racing uh, this last week. Uh you know what <laughs> yeah he ignited that one that was up in a ball of flames that I mean cool picture but it looked expensive that did not yeah look I good. mean his the entire for those who didn't see it the entire underside of the car from the engine all the way back was engulfed in flames yeah that that didn't look pretty at all so I said Ogilvy was
0: gonna get at least one event in before May 1st nope i said one driver out of all the races that we picked this past weekend at least one of those drivers was going to double up dan Eber, you kind of messed me up there because tbj was going to have that deal i feel like that's a bad beat like i had that deal locked until the last lap and i guess dan just wanted it more so uh that one was wrong I said the high side hustler, Jason Fager, was going to get a pair of podiums. I should have said a pair of top fives. So close, yet so far away. I said, Wasoda well, was going to have a press release about tires before me, you know, by me first. Bert, they did. They did. Went out to all the tracks. Um, I don't know if that all the drivers got it, but all the promoters got it. So they issued a press release in that press release they said that there are certain uh certain products out there that they've been doing some testing on that they really don't want drivers using on their tires i don't know where that came from just (laughs) speculating here they didn't they didn't mention any names of the products or whatever so um but needless to say uh that one was correct i get a point there so so um we got one more guy that takes one here so jeff we had to go to a jury of our peers here, okay? <laughs> so so Jeff, who uh, helps a lot with the agenda, he, he does a lot for the show, a good buddy of mine. And uh, he, he had a prediction here a while back. He said, if you take, put a dot on Green Bay, and then you draw a line across to Minneapolis over to Aberdeen, South Dakota, and you just draw a straight line across there, okay? Ending at both points. He said, there will be no dirt racing north of that line, before May 1st. Bert, the sandbox at the Cedar Lake Speedway is a dirt track. They ran go-karts on dirt, (laughs) in an oval, green flags, checkered flags, winners, losers, right? That was an actual viable race on dirt before May 1st, north of that line. Some people on the group disagreed. They said, that that don't even count. That's go-kart racing. Y'all hate kids. Y'all hate kids. (laughs) Go-kart. If you're a kid out there watching the show, hey, your go-kart racing is real racing. Don't don't disregard what some of these haters have to say, okay? Um, But the vote came in by one vote. The deciding vote, by the way, for that deal, Jeff's brother, Carl, was a deciding vote. And he voted that, yeah, no, that that counts as dirt track racing. So is as, as pissed. Jeff actually even sent me the deal with him getting it right. It's like, dude, we, we had the vote. He got it wrong. So fans, uh based on that, he said there will be no dirt track racing north of that line before May first. The jury of peers decided that by by majority rule, they decided that the go-kart race at the sandbox north of that line counts therefore he's incorrect post in the comments uh if you agree if it's overwhelming if we get a bunch of comments and they're saying no 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 he he should be able to count uh, that shouldn't count um he should be able to get that point If, if it's overwhelming i'm not opposed to overturning that um but it's gonna have to be pretty overwhelming so you're gonna have to if you if you really feel jeff deserves a point Post it in the comments uh, on, on our YouTube page and on Facebook, and we'll see what we can do for old Jeff there. Um, Bert, uh, right now I'm at uh, 31.1% correct, and you're at 47.8%. is still the Bert, Whoop and Ryan's ass segment of the show. So with that said, three bold predictions for this week to end this episode. Um, Got to be quantifiable. Got to be something where it's either it did happen or did not. Um, it's gotta be something where we can actually distinguish that. Um, we pick three, sometimes the fans throw one in as well. The, the viewers, if you want to add to this segment, post in the comments, shoot us a message, say, Hey, I want to add, I got a bold prediction for you. We'll make sure to mention that, but Bert let's go ahead and start with you. What do you got?
1: Well, I might as well get this one out of the way. We kind of touched on it earlier. I'll go with, uh, Josh Rice. will Find Victory Lane in the Lucas Oil Late Model Series race at Florence.
0: The old Ralph Latham Memorial. All right. Well, I'll stick with that theme. Ralph Latham Memorial Race, 15000 to win. Lucas Oil Dirt Late Models at Florence.
2: He's a really good there, Bert. Really good. But he's not going to finish on the podium this week. <laughs> Josh Rice will miss the podium at Florence this week
1: all right my second one I'll go with uh, uh flat bill um, hot child it's a one feature win at Eldora <laughs> old flat bill himself so Sheldon
0: hot buggy Bobby is going to win one of the 80s. will win
1: at least one.
0: At least one. Oh, good catch, good catch. The Rocket Man, Rodney Sanders. Remember I just called him out, right? Remember I just called him out and I said he's on the not-hot list? What typically happens, Bert, when we put somebody on that naughty list? They win. So write this down. Rodney Sanders will win at least one usmts modified a main over the next two swings lakeside and deer creek are the next two swings deer creeks the nma so there's three races at lakeside three races at deer creek rodney sanders will win at least one a main in those events
1: um is it a bold prediction to say that there will be racing this weekend channel speedway <laughs> oh i know i'm kidding that's not my prediction <laughs> that's about um, as bold. the, way the, wet, the way the weather has been that is a bold prediction that's um i though. am gonna stay i am gonna stay local though and um as we i think i believe we mentioned this on the show before uh plymouth dirt track um uh is only gonna be racing late model six times this year. Their first event is this coming Saturday. And I'm going to predict that Justin Ritchie will win the first feature of the Super Six series, um, which will be this Saturday at Plymouth.
0: Dirt Dirt Race Central is gonna be covering the action from Plymouth this year.
1: Yeah, I saw, is that F-Y-E, is that yeah, F-Y-E yeah. TV, I, I saw that
0: dirt race central which is yeah. okay. it's one in the same it's one of okay.
2: same.
0: yep so dirt race central will have the action excited about that
2: all right bird i got one last one I'm kind of point toss on which to go which to go this This one here, Bert, you know what? I'm going to go this way. The B1 bomber, Brent Larson, he he finished P2 in one of the features a
0: couple years ago at Mississippi Thunder. Whether it's a a qualifying feature or the A main, any of the above. So he'll run, they run Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think they run a qualifier Thursday, a qualifier Friday and then they run the A man on Saturday. Out of those three events, the B1 bomber
2: will finish inside the top 10 in one of those races. Okay. Do I need, um, to,
0: do I need, to, do I need to go a little bit more bold than top 10? up to you. I, I'm going to let you call. If you think that's hey, satisfactory, you, I'm going to keep it there. You can do it.
1: I, I had some low-hanging fruit. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go top 10 there um, for the
0: B1 bomber. Man, I hope it's in the big one. I hope he finishes up on the podium. I'd love to see old Brent uh, well, perform well at home, on his home turf again.
1: I was checking schedules this morning, uh, and Marlar didn't have Mississippi Thunder on his schedule. So I don't it's know. It's kind of weird, though, right? Because, you know, let's talk about that. Drivers it, have been known to show up to races even though it's not on their schedule. So Dan went to uh Knoxville. He goes to Knoxville
0: every year for the Late Model Nationals. And they have a if you've never been, I never I've been to the Late Model Nationals once, but I didn't know they have this. They each time, I think it's on that Saturday morning, they have like a round table deal where they'll get a driver in. And it's it's usually not very many people, under a hundred people, and and they it's kind of like an interview in front of the fans. And and Marlar kind of talked about he doesn't really put a schedule out there too terribly much because it's kind of like, if I feel like we're doing really good, I want to keep rolling, I might show up there. And if we need a little bit of a break, we might not show up there. So they, a lot of times Marlar doesn't put a lot of stuff out there. It's just kind of like however he's feeling that day, it seems like. So that's what Dan had because
1: to say. I, I was going to pick him, but I couldn't risk it based on uh, my three drivers not showing up last weekend. Well, you
0: might as well go ahead, and give it a shot. Man. <laughs> you got to lose. Give it, give it a whirl. Pick them, pick <laughs> So yeah, I picked, uh, I picked the smooth operator. That was, that was my. So mix. did I. So did I. Did you really? Yeah. Okay. I was. That was going to be. But I figured, man, that's kind of. Would have been bold. I mean, I kind of felt like throwing one out there. Uh, Bobby Pierce will win 50 grand at Mississippi Thunder, but I don't really want to jinx them. I'd like to see the smooth operator park in Victory Lane, so I'm gonna leave that one off the pick there. Maybe I just say Bobby Pierce not hot, maybe that'll get it done. We'll find out. So Bert always fun. We had a hell of a a long day here. We we did a couple shows back to back. I know you got to work in the morning, as do I. But uh, race fans, I'm Ryan Eho. That is the Burt Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show.
2: Production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.